0: Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. There's an art to waiting, isn't there? So Mark chapter 13, our chapter for today in the Jesus No Filter series, is all about three things through that chapter. The destruction of the temple, signs of the end times, and the second coming of the Son of Man. I fear that if I were to attempt to look at the chronological order of these events and to interpret each line in detail, I would run the risk, as it says in Mark 13, verse 22, of being another false prophet who deceives the elect. Instead, I want us to focus today on the summary, which was the final six verses of the chapter that Liz read to us. Thank you, Liz. Which is about our attitude as we wait for the return of the Lord Jesus, the Son of Man. So not so much why are we waiting um, or until when are we waiting more, how are we waiting? So we'll look briefly at three different expressions of waiting on or waiting for God, hence the uh, title of my talk today, Waiting and Waiting and Waiting. But I do have a confession. I'd totally prepared this talk before I realised that, as the proverbial visiting speaker for today, it was still anticipated that I would stick to the Mark's gospel theme. So it's not often I prepare a talk and only afterwards read the scripture that it's supposed to hang on. Um, But I think you'll agree that God was merciful to me and that the Holy Spirit has been leading me. So, um, a couple of verses from uh, the second chapter of Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch and I will station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see... What he will say to me. What answer I am to give to his complaint. Then the Lord replied. Write down the revelation. Make it plain on tablets. So that a herald. Or whoever reads it. May run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks to the end. uh, Of the end sorry. And will not prove false. Though it linger. Wait for it. It will certainly come. And will not delay, or though he linger, wait for him, for he will certainly come and will not delay. Now, Christians talk a lot about waiting on God. It's typically an expression used to refer to when we pray, when we meditate, when we seek to know more of God's character, um, to hear what he's saying to us. But what does it actually mean in practical terms to wait on him? or for him. Well, there's a lot of scriptures about waiting. At least 12 different Hebrew and Greek verbs from the Old and the New Testament are interpreted in our Bibles either as to wait um, or something very similar. They all have a slightly different spin. To wait, to await, to wait eagerly, even to writhe, and then very closely um, associated to that, to watch, as was in the scripture that we had read to us. Just now, but one thing is clear: waiting is really active, not passive. So it involves many things. It involves um, expectation. I wait expectantly. It involves or, or, or eagerness. It involves confidence and strength. It involves hope. Wait, I wait in hope for the Lord. It involves. Patience, as I'm sure you know, same again from Psalm 40, it involves faith. Lord I wait for you, you will answer a declaration of faith. It involves obedience. two verses on that from Psalms and Zephaniah. It involves wholeheartedness. My whole being waits for you, Lord, and involves a desire and a love. For God. So, in fact, the only place I could find really for any passivity in waiting is when it comes uh, to avenging wrong, as can be seen from Proverbs 20, Isaiah 30, 1 Corinthians 4. Just hang back, God will do that. But be it for the second coming or for a bus, my goodness, waiting is an art, isn't it? So Margaret and Shuna and Sherry were recently telling me about the Impact 2 Bible study that they lead with quite vulnerable young people who once lived in a supported housing environment. It's raw and it's real. And at this group one day, these well-rooted Christian ladies were eloquently talking about waiting on God. And by this they meant learning from God, listening to him, thereby renewing their strength. That's not what it means at all, suggested one young person. To me, waiting on God means to serve him a meal, like a waiter does, How refreshing. That's certainly the meaning of waiting um, in Matthew 8, Mark 1, Luke 4, which are three different um, times when we hear about Simon's mother-in-law after she'd been healed and waited on Jesus um, in, in that way. Again, in Luke chapter 12, which is about servants faithfully waiting for their master and then actually being waited on at table, as it were, by their master. All of which got me thinking. There is a continuum here, three different stages I'm going to suggest today of waiting on God. Distinctly different, but somehow linked. And firstly is our practical service of him. Um, the stuff we do in the service of the Lord. I remember a bloke driving me home once a long time ago. We arrived and I thanked him and he replied, oh, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. Um, well, I was grateful for the lift, but the, the cynicism gene kicked in a little bit. I couldn't help myself. I could have sworn it was you that was driving us. Isn't it? What I thought was how ridiculous. If that was the Lord, I'm pretty certain he'd have stopped at that red traffic light. <laughs> But like the lad at the Impact Bible study said, and like Jesus said as well, the stuff we do for others, especially what we do for the least, the last, and the lost, we are doing for him. This was certainly the motivation of the early church deacons who waited on tables in Acts chapter 6, as clearly illustrated by Stephen's life and witness, and then his death by martyrdom. So those who serve him or wait on the Lord are waiters. And waiters are like football referees. Best ones are the ones you don't even notice. They enable the occasion to happen without interruption. They invisibly contribute to the flow of the event. Apart from a few flashy ones, they stay in the shadows. Uh, but they keep the show on the road. The fact you only notice them when something goes wrong is their motivation for ensuring that nothing goes wrong. They're leaders in their field. But more subtly than that, they are facilitators. They are enablers. It's a great role. It's one that takes humility, decisiveness, grace, and inner security. I was terrified before Josh and Rachel's wedding, as my role was to wait on tables, for heaven's sake. Living as I do in an Azerbaijani household, to even find my own kitchen, I need a map But but when it came to the actual wedding reception, I absolutely loved the role of waiting at tables, especially the times when I could refill a glass or replace an item of cutlery without even the guest knowing that it happened. Whatever our hand finds to do, we're urged to do with all our hearts as serving the Lord and not man. And then, secondly, there is waiting. In other words, there is our seeking for more of him, his person and his will, characterised by worship, prayer, reading of scripture, meditation. 24-7, wasn't really seven, was it? 24-3 prayer room we had a couple of weeks ago gave us an opportunity, a framework, to overcome our indiscipline and to wait on God. Question for you, how many of you either specifically felt or witnessed or recognised the presence of God with you in some way when you were praying there or heard God speak directly to you in some way whilst in the prayer room. Wonderful. Not inevitable, not necessary, but wonderful. Me too. Actually, it surprised me. Mine was very practical Friday morning, I think. Claire came out. Busily going off to school and work and everything else, and practical sort of exchange of "hello, how are you?" walked into the door and wept, <laughs> and it was—it was for me—it was about repentance, and that took me at least fifteen minutes through that time. I'm sure we'll have more testimonies sometime of the stuff that God was doing. And thirdly. Well, firstly, there is waiting, our practical service of him, as we've said. Then there's waiting, our seeking more of his character. And thirdly, there's waiting, our attitude towards God during the times when, like King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20, we are instructed to do nothing. In other words, to wait for him to do something or to change something significant. So for Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, he was faced with a vast army of Moabites and Ammonites coming against him. And he and the people stood before the Lord and cried out for deliverance. Then the spirit of God came upon a guy called Jehaziel who prophesied and said, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours but God's. You will not have to fight this battle, take up your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, the Lord will be with you. And true to his word, when the men of Judah took up their positions overlooking the desert where the vast enemy armies were massed, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped, the Lord had set an ambush against the opposing armies and they ended up destroying each other. So as we serve the Lord and as we worship and meditate on him, there are times, and I do believe this is specifically relevant for some of us met here this morning. Very interesting to hear what those who were praying before the meeting had to say and John spoke of at the beginning of the meeting. I do believe for some of us he will effectively say, say to us, just hold on. Wait, do nothing, I will resolve this situation. Stop messing with things, desperately pushing doors that I've got no intention of opening. Trust in me, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Right now I'm waiting for other people to make some major decisions and appointments which could well impact several significant areas of my life. And at this moment of time, each one of these things is out of my hands. Waiting is all I can do. No one seems to be in a hurry, and I'm finding it a big challenge. Bella's been a great resource as ever in terms of prayer and encouragement for me, even this week, without any thought about my subject for today. One day, Bella read Hosea, Twelve six to me. She interpreted it from her own in her own words from her Russian Bible. Turn to your God. She translated. Watch mercy and judgment. Put your trust, your needs, and your hopes onto your God always. I looked it up in the NIV. But you must return to your God. It said. Maintain love and justice, and wait for your God always. Waiting isn't easy, is it? In fact, it's more and more counter-cultural, which makes it all the more important to give the subject an airing from time to time. The current obsessive demand for instant communications, particularly through social media, is extraordinary. Business, social life, it controls us, makes huge and stressful demands upon us. We've become conditioned to expect nothing less. However, may I make an observation? If I did, I would suggest that despite the amazing speed of present-day communications, getting actual practical things done or even decided seems to take as long as ever or even longer. So I'm thinking of GP appointments, hospital waiting uh, lists, and the length of time it currently takes to arrange a funeral. I'm thinking of the organising and agreeing of Brexit. I'm personally thinking of the 13 weeks it took me after someone lightly scuffed into my car in February to actually get someone to repair it. I'm thinking of the months and sometimes years that corporate organisations take between announcing and concluding restructuring and redundancy decisions to which BT employees can mutter their agreement at this moment of time. All these point to the fact that despite communications becoming obsessively fast, completion of actions seems to be as slow as ever. So there's an increasing time divide between communication and activity. When all is said and done, more is said than done. Our expectations have increased exponentially, but our ability to deliver has not. So what tends to fill the gulf? The waiting time? Stress, frustration? Patience, anxiety, fear, uncertainty, insecurity, disappointment. Hardly a list of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, is it? So, although these things are very topical and significant to the present age, our covenant God has made provision for all of them in His, in his Word. Waiting well is becoming more and more of a challenge to us in our culture. But as a kingdom person, I need to learn how to respond to this rapidly changing culture I live in, biblically and with faith. So one of the final things the resurrected Jesus said to his disciples was, wait for the promise of the Father, for in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. At least that time, the disciples knew that they only had to wait for a few days. But we reference to the end times, as outlined in our chapter for today, Mark thirteen. Although Jesus said verse thirty that this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened, not necessarily generation, as in twenty five years, parent to child, but genia in the Greek from which we derive the word genesis and genealogy, being race, ancestry, etc. None of us, not even the angels in heaven, nor Jesus, but only the Father knows the day and the hour when the Son of Man will appear, coming on the clouds in the sky with power and great glory. So we're instructed, therefore, be on your guard, be alert, keep watch, because we do not know what day our Lord will come. We're told we must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Again, we see the need for our waiting to be dynamic and active, not empty or passive. So by faith, in rest, and yet with eagerness, keeping watch, filling the time, making good choices and decisions, rather than being stressed, frustrated, impatient, irritable, disappointed, or worse, still asleep. So, waiting, waiting, and waiting. Our practical service of him, seeking more of him, and when we just have to blimmin' well wait. The first is an activity of service to others. Then it's about leading to worship and to prayer, leading to faith and to rest. And they're counterculture in that our rights-oriented societies say it's all about me and I'm worth it. My identity is justified and confirmed by how I perform and what I achieve rather than in my relationship with God. And then thirdly, I want it all, and I want it now. Back to Habakkuk 2, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, I wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Though he linger, I wait for him. He will certainly come. And will not delay. I will stand at my watch. So Heavenly Father would you help us on this whole issue of waiting. Waiting at table as it were to serve you practically. Waiting before you to know you. Your character. Your flavour. The smell of you. That we might know you well. And then waiting at those times when we can't do anything else. Dear God, help us. Help us to be those countercultural kingdom people that know how to lean on you and trust you in all things and in all circumstances. In the name of Jesus. Amen.